our main job is to keep athletes healthy and keep them ready for season. It's not to make them the best in the weight room. So however I can make them the most athletic as possible, that's what I'm going to do. The way they understand how their body moves and what they think they're doing plays a big role into how they perform and how they execute certain moves and how well they can actually be coached. We try to find ways where we can take load off of the spine, uh, teach them to decompress their spine, and that usually cleans up some movement patterns and help guys, helps guys rotate a lot better. Fascia, if we go back to that, is one of the great great uh, sensors on our body, and it, it senses touch, it senses pressure, shearing, all this stuff, cold, heat. So the more attention we can draw to that area is going to be really important. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitch ball. No other system captures such clarity of a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode, we sit down with Mitch Ho, Director of Strength and Performance at 108 Performance. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Mitchell Ho. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're sitting down with Mitch Ho, uh, Director of Strength and Performance for 108. Mitch, my man, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Yeah, it's no problem. Thank you for having me on. Uh, Listen to a couple podcasts. Glad to be here. <laughs> oh, man, Mitch. So, well, guys, uh, we wanted to have uh, uh, Mitch on. One of the you know great things I think that he brings to this is um, you know a big part of our success over at 108 is the integration um, from room to room and understanding um, you know again that what happens in the weight room has a you know direct correlation with their movement work and all those things that are going over in in the hitting room um, and also into our, our pitching room as well. So um, you know that there's definitely a big um, you know gap there that Mitch has done a great job of, of bridging, um, you know, of, of understanding, you know, again, there's the movement, movement is movement is movement, right? And there's, it's, it's all too often uh, that we have guys saying that the same issues that they're having in the pitching room, they're having in the hitting room, and they're also having in the performance room. Um, so he's done a great job of bridging that gap for us. And I think that it'd be great for uh, you guys to kind of listen in and see what that process uh, looks like. So um, again, uh, Mitch, thanks for coming on. And we're happy to, you know, we want to, we're looking forward to diving in. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this. It's, uh, it's going to be some good stuff, good questions, good answers, a lot of stuff learned. Absolutely, Mitch. And before we start the show off here, why don't you take our listeners through um, a little bit of your journey, maybe starting with your playing days and, and ending up where you are now. Yeah, so I guess take it back to high school, start there. I Freshman high school, not a very strong kid. I was always athletic, um, always had the skill side of things. And then that kind of 
I kind of plateaued on the skill side, so it was I guess it wasn't that good. So I thought that the weight room side could really push me to the next level, so I dove deep into that. Started hitting the gym hard like uh, a lot of high schoolers do. Thought that squatting, a lot of weight, deadlifting, bench pressing, all that stuff, just getting bigger would uh, lead to better performance. And uh, right away it did, and it was good. Like my next year, I definitely came in stronger, performed better, but I also plateaued again. And then I started to realize that adding just 10 or 15, 25 pounds more to the bar didn't really create the same effect that it did early on. So I started going down different avenues of what I could do to really optimize my performance on the field and in a weight room. So yeah, I ended up playing freshman ball, got called up to JV, and then played three years on varsity. Uh, Didn't really go anywhere after that, so I just ended up going to a junior college at College San Mateo. That was probably one of the best decisions I made because... I really got to refine the skill side on uh, catching. So as a catcher, was a pretty good defensive catcher as it was, and then it got better throughout JUCO. Um, and then ended up at a four-year in Michigan. So it was Western Michigan, small town. Um, yeah, so I just played there. Nothing, nothing really came of it, and I decided to play indie ball. So I went down to Florida to train with Eric Cressy. And that was a big, big turning point in my uh, strength and conditioning career I guess you could say it opened my eyes to a whole new world of strength and condition that I never knew that really let me dive deep on certain topics I was able to talk to him bounce questions off him and his staff um, sit into some intern meetings really really understand the the depths of what they were doing out there and then after that I played a year of indie ball ended up getting released and became a strength intern at Cal State Fullerton and that, once again, just broadened my horizons on what could happen in a straight, uh, strength room and how to optimize an athlete and how certain coaches deal with issues that athletes tend to have um, within their field of specificity. Um, and then what's really nice is actually I trained at 108 the, uh, the following year after and played indie ball again. And what I think that really did for me is it created buy-in. Um, I had a better year than I did Pretty much all my previous years, I hit more home runs than I ever did before. Um, it was just a lot of good things happened that season, and that just created buy-in for me. Really trust what they're teaching there, and then doing the strength side of things, I could really bridge the two rooms or three rooms all together and try and make athletes as best as they can. And then that, that kind of leads us to where we are now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So. Um, why don't you take everybody through like on a daily basis, what it looks like, um, what you're doing on a daily basis with athletes and you know, what that looks like at one away. Yeah. So usually in the mornings we have our college guys come in and what the college guys really focus on. Pretty much all athletes, um, in my opinion, need to understand how their body moves and, uh, create a lot of awareness in their body. I think that's really important. Um, it helps us as coaches, um, especially in the hitting and throwing room when you need to make adjustments to someone's patterns uh having someone who knows what they're doing with their body is 10 times easier than someone who doesn't so yeah we work a lot on that we work on the strength side as well but then we also work on a lot of rotation um and different rotation than many of you think it's not so much cable chops and uh like landmine uh cauldrons and things like that um we do do those and there's med ball throws and shot puts and all that good stuff, but we also add our own kind of twist to certain lifts that we do to add a rotational aspect. 
Yeah, man. One thing that I've noticed just peeking in and, and seeing how you guys run shop is more of the movement stuff as opposed to the strength training, uh, which I think a lot of, the, especially in baseball, uh, a lot of coaches miss that. So why don't you open up more of um, the movement stuff, why that's important, and maybe how you train that in the guys. Yeah. So like I stated earlier, um, I just focus a lot on the risk reward. And at a certain point, you kind of get, uh, you hit the law of uh, diminishing returns when it comes to adding more weight to a bar. And in like our main job is to keep athletes healthy and keep them ready for season. It's not to make them the best in a weight room. So however I can make them the most athletic as possible, that's what I'm going to do. And in my mind, getting them to move better, uh, more dynamically, and just let them be athletes and create more athleticism within them, I think that's more important than how much can you squat or how much can you deadlift or bench press and all that. Um, And also my perspective on how the body works and how it rotates might be different than others. It might be uh, something new, it might be out there, but it's what I believe and I've seen some good results from it. And that's kind of my, the guns that I stick to. I've seen so many guys just run into back pain, back injuries just from trying to squat too much or deadlift too much. And um, way too many shoulder injuries come from guys pressing and working the, the chest in the wrong way. And yeah, so we work on how we can move better and make them better athletes and rotate better without compromising their joints and health. Yeah, no, that's an awesome point. And, you know, there's there's a lot of times, and I think which is uh, big in uh, a lot of the conversations that people miss is, um, you know, there's there's probably, you know, one or two times probably daily that I bring somebody over to the <laughs> to the performance room and we, you know, either, um, you know, and the same goes for the pitching room on that same sense as I'm bringing a guy over and saying like, hey, you know, Will, Casey, you know, are, are you seeing this with them too when they're rotating? Are they, um, you know, have trouble staying anchored? Are you seeing this, you know, weird thing that he does with his, you know, back hip or something that he does with his front leg? Does he have an issue bracing? Does he have issues uh, deselling his trunk? Are you seeing this with his ankle? You know, and then the same thing bringing over, you know, to Mitch. Many times uh, Mitch and I are having conversations about certain guys and how they're moving, if it's a hinge pattern or something. You know, a guy's coming up out of posture, if you notice anything in their T-spine, like screenings and things like that. Um, so there's a lot of times that we're, we're having those conversations and talking through certain, um, you know, uh, movements or certain things that are going on with that individual athlete um, and us kind of working towards a common goal. And then, you know, also me bringing an understanding uh, over to Mitch, like, hey, you know, when this guy's doing this, could you, you know, uh, put a heavy emphasis on his his hinge pattern or something like that? Because, you know, uh, I'm really seeing him struggle with that when we get into the other room. Um, and it kind of gives uh, uh, Mitch an idea of certain things that I'm seeing, like uh, big uh, flaws in their movement or deficiencies in their movement so that he can place a heavier focus on that. I mean, I think just the other day uh, we talked about some guys like uh, uh, single leg stability on, you know, one of his legs. You know, I started noticing some things that were going on with him and then uh, me going over the Mitch and kind of mentioning some things that I was seeing with that individual athlete, which is uh, interesting, kind of brings us to that point of uh, the screenings and kind of how we do things and how we do things a little bit different. So why don't you dive into um, just kind of your philosophy on, on screenings and kind of how we do them and then uh, kind of how we on a consistent basis are always assessing and using everything as a screen. Uh, so yeah, the, the screens are really important. Um, I think the way we use them is is really good. We use them to get an idea of how an athlete could possibly move or um, their strength levels in certain areas. Uh, but it's not the end-all, be-all. What's real nice is having um, Joey understand 
um, some of the performance and strength side of stuff, uh, having Will understand that same stuff, and then me having understanding of both the hitting and throwing, and that really connects all three, and we kind of work on that same kind of base philosophy of how an athlete should rotate and how an athlete should, whether it's hit or throw, what that movement should look like. And so I I use those screens as just a kind of an eye-opener, a, a sneak peek into what an athlete can do, but then also trust what Joey and Will and Casey and all of them are seeing uh, because that's the real movement screen is seeing how an athlete actually moves through their sport because, um, you know, intent changes the context of whatever an athlete does. Uh, them raising their arms overhead on a table is going to be completely different than them reaching for something at the ceiling or uh, them trying to throw a med ball into the wall is going to be different than them trying to hit a ball. So seeing how the rotation all plays over and what recommendations or uh, compensations that Joey says an athlete has or needs, then we work uh, based upon those. So it really creates more of a individualized approach to things rather than seeing how someone looks on a table. Um, and I think that's really important because it opens your eyes to how an athlete interprets movement and the way they understand how their body moves and what they think they're doing plays a big role into how they perform and how they execute certain moves and how well they can actually be coached. Yeah, I want you to open up um, a little bit of the ladder there when we talk about implementing like the movement work and uh, proprioceptive and under helping the athletes understand how they move. How do you implement that into like a strength program and, and what might that look like over the course of a week? Yeah, so uh, we'll use our college program for an example. Uh, the guys work off a three-day lift program and then they have a two uh, two movement days. So let's say they lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're doing their movement work. And um, so I sprinkle in some of the movement work, uh, kind of microdose that in their warm-ups as well. But a lot of the movement work where we can hit um, a lot of different things uh, is going to be on those movement days. And that's going to include a lot of different uh, crawls, different running techniques, uh, different just movement games, whether it's them trying to balance a bottle cap on their finger and walk one, uh, to one end of the room versus another, them rolling over, uh, forward rolling, backwards rolling, um, just kind of things that are out of the norm that just take you back to kind of your childhood days when you're a kid and you're the most athletic you could probably be. I think that's really important, getting athletes back to their roots versus them trying to develop as much as they can. Uh, I think a lot of athleticism and movement gets coached out of guys and it ends up making them a worse athlete in the end. Uh, if you look at a lot of Latin American players, their coaching style and their weight room, like, I don't know firsthand, but from what I've seen and from what I've heard from some guys, it's definitely a lot looser than it is over here. They're allowed to play freer. They're allowed to make bigger moves. They're allowed to do all this different stuff. And then you look at guys over in the States and everything's so rigid, so programmed out that an athlete doesn't become an athlete anymore. He just becomes a robot. So letting those kids just move around and explore how they move is really important on those movement days. 
Yeah, no, and there's it's it's actually pretty interesting. Again, some of the the games and things that they put together, some of the movement games and uh, stuff that we we throw together from uh, you know just holistically. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in every room when it comes to movement. Movement is definitely the focus. Um, we find ways to make it uh, competitive and fun at the same time, not just going through uh, you know monotonous just um, you know drilling and hammering because some of those things are very challenging. So I think that's a big part of when we're focusing on movement is understanding too that uh, trying to keep their brain fresh at the same time because it is such um you know it takes so much focus and it's such deep practice um in a lot of ways and so because of that you know there's there's there has to be a heavy emphasis and and focusing on and understanding the you know the whole athlete right so um when you look at that and again i think that's something that gets overlooked uh definitely on the performance side as well um is them understanding the uh, the mental side of all of those things, right. And understanding the mental side of, uh, just strength and performance and, uh, holistically in that way. So why don't you kind of dive into as well as like the mentality and kind of all those pieces and what, uh, culture you kind of, uh, build in the room as well. Yeah. So on our strength days, I really like to see guys who, who push themselves hard, who focus and really try to understand the movement more rather than just going through it. Uh, if I tell an athlete to do something and he just does it mindlessly, you don't really create the same adaptation as a athlete who really buys in and focuses focuses on how they should move and uh, tries to push themselves to get better. And that focus is really good, but then at the same time on our movement days, I want the idea and the perception just to be play. There's a lot less success and failure on those movement days. It's more just move around, have fun. If you don't understand the movement or you can't get it, just do what you can to find it. It doesn't matter if you take five minutes, 10 minutes, a whole day or a week to find it, but just play around until you get it and find something that sticks for you. I think a lot of athletes, like especially in baseball, the failure rate is so high that they they put a lot of pressure on themselves to either succeed or it's a failure. And rather than seeing like when you're hitting in a cage, you're just going to be playing. Um, I think you you come in with a better mindset. You leave with a better mindset. You don't critique yourself as hard. Um, and what's funny is that you see a lot of athletes, the first time they run through a movement day, they all tend to be more on the timid side. They don't want to be that one guy who looks stupid. But then by week three or week four, when everyone's used to it, they're going all out. They, they're having fun. They realize that movement is movement and there's no failure on those days. So they're, they're allowed to do whatever, not whatever they want, but, um, they're allowed to be free and explore their, their own bodies and yeah, have fun with whatever they do. Yeah. And one piece and thing that I've seen you guys implement, especially on those movement days is different variations and different drills with running, um, which we talked about before we hopped on the importance of that and how it plays into, uh, mechanics and kind of how you use that. So why don't you open that up for our listeners? Yeah. So Running is really important, and the way you run is a lot more important than the speed at which you run at in my in my mind. I, once again, I'm not saying that being slow is good or being fast is bad. I just think there's more to it than just does someone run fast or does someone run slow. Uh, running is going to be one of the most rotational uh, sports or movements that you can possibly do. Everything in your body from your head to your toe is going to rotate. And whether that's going to be efficient or not, it's going to be a dictator of how long you can run, how fast you can run, how well you can cut, how well you can stop, all this stuff, how, how well you can stay healthy too. Uh, if you watch a lot of natural runners, you notice a lot more movement rather than a lot of people who are in track um, 
and I'm not taking away anything from a lot of track and field coaches. I think they've done a great job developing athletes. And I mean, history's proven that they do a good job. But the way I see the body move and the body run, I just see rotation everywhere. And I think to coach that out of guys is is kind of a, a bad thing, I think. Um, you should let the athlete move, let them be free and really use the movement that becomes natural. Um, you see a lot of rotation from the hips and the shoulders counter rotate. You see the legs rotate. You see the head counter rotate. Uh, even how the arms move uh, forward and back is not so much what we want to see. We we work a lot with water bottles, working on rhythm and timing of the arms to kind of pulse their body down into the ground to get more out of the ground essentially so the more weight and force you can put into the ground the more you can get out of it so that's our big big focus on a lot of stuff uh, along with the rotation aspect of it so we'll we'll do different things whether it's them running in a circle or them weaving in and out between cones uh, just creating side to side motion um, circular rotational aspects to everything that's as much as we can mix in that's what we're going to focus on yeah, that's a good big piece. And I think that's a, you know, a big thing. It's just like, uh, obviously another heavy focus that we put on all of our rooms when it comes to movement is reciprocal movement, right. And everything being reciprocal, um, as we're going through, um, a lot of these things and, and again, teaching guys, not only the reciprocal part and also, uh, you know, the, all the counter rotation and then learning how to keep their body safe. Right. And that's, that's a big part of them is, is that, uh, teaching, teaching their bodies, like how to react in these situations and how to counterbalance themselves. Um, and then again, the deceleration aspects and all those things, which again, which are like, like 90 in my head, like 90% of the injuries of guys not knowing how to counterbalance and then not knowing how to decelerate. Um, you know, like those, those, those are, uh, we're going to see a lot of your injuries and stuff like that. Um, when we get into, um, a lot of those things and, and then also to us taking that in is, uh, you know, the, the other side of it is that I, I like you guys is move into as well as a lot of the kinesthetic awareness stuff. Right. Um, and again, we blend that in, um, over in the hitting side quite a bit too. Like the last, uh, I think I've mentioned it before, but again, like 30, like I guess I would say like the last like 20 or so minutes uh, before they go in and hit, you know, we're doing something that's kinesthetic if they're not, you know, playing badminton or they're, you know, kicking around a soccer ball or, or playing with a hacky sack or doing all these, again, playing all these like games that they would play when they were younger, kind of getting them a better athletes. And I know you guys do a bunch of stuff with that. So why don't you kind of dive into some of that kinesthetic stuff and why it's uh, so important? Yeah. So when we talk about kinesthetic awareness and proprioception, um, I like to start guys off on the ground. Um, we actually just got some really nice mats laid down, so the guys are going to be diving into a lot more rolling, crawling, um, just taking back to ev- taking everything back to like the youngest possible start when you're babies. The first thing you do is you learn to roll over, and then you learn to crawl, and then you slowly learn to get up and walk, and then run, and so forth. So, a lot of people move away from that, and they lose uh, understanding of how the body can move. The body's, you know omnidirectional we can imitate pretty much every animal on the earth whether we want to look like we're a dolphin swimming in the water we can do that if we want to look like a uh, a gorilla crawling we can do that too we can look like a monkey hanging from a tree we can do all these different movements and that's um pretty amazing and our body like it shows us what we are possible or what we are capable of doing and uh, a lot of guys just lose that they lose that awareness of what they can possibly do with their body um, so we just take it back to almost a primal state, um, whether it's them hanging or 
them crawling more or playing games that makes them think outside the box and uh, understand how to accomplish a task by moving differently. Problem solving is something that I use a lot. A lot of athletes kind of get stuck if, if they take one way A to B all the time, that's going to be their only way, which in some cases can be good. Like in hitting, you don't need too many options to be a good hitter. The fewer options, probably the better. But at the same time, being creative and being able to move and adjust to certain pitches, um, just certain movements and certain tasks is going to be also really, really important to just be an overall better athlete. Um, so yeah, like like I said, crawling and rolling is something that we, we like to do a lot, whether it's a, a bear crawl or even log rolls, certain get-ups. Um, yeah, a lot of different stuff to to really bring them back to kind of that childhood state of mind and let them be understand how they move and how to solve problems in a certain way. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. I think that depending on the task, obviously the number of options available um, is, is definitely something to take into consideration. And when we move a little bit away from the movement and focus on some of the strength, this is um, more selfishly me wondering. I was more of a meathead. Uh, like you were saying before, I thought the more weight we could lift, the more weight I could squat, the more weight I could deadlift, the better I was going to be. And I think all three of us here were kind of that way when we were playing. So um, why don't you open up some uh, like alternatives that you use on strength days um, and, and some takeaways these guys can start implementing? Yeah, so... Yeah, like I said, I just I've seen way too many injuries just doing traditional lifts, um, just trying to bully the bar around and uh, throw as much weight on as you can. So I've really grown to love uh, different kettlebell variations, whether it's a kettlebell swing or uh, a split squat with a racked kettlebells, adding some form of rotation into there. Um, also taking into account how they're loading the hip and knee and all that stuff. Um, that comes down to cueing and all the certain athletes, but. Love just different variations. Not everything has to be super far out of the box, but a lot of the things that we do to incorporate rotation might throw some guys off. Um, I love side bend. I think side bend is great. Teaching an athlete how to side bend correctly is really important. Uh, being able to side bend, flex, and extend, and then rotate your T spine or just spine in general is is uh, really really important. And when you load your body up with weights over and over again you kind of compress your spine. So if you your fascia, if we, we could go down a, fascia, uh, a rabbit hole in fascia, but we could save that for later some other time. But um, basically your fascia can adapt within six to 24 months or six to 12 months. And if you think about how long you've been lifting, how long you've been squatting, uh, deadlifting, um, whether even if it's lunging or split squats, whatever it is, a lot of the times you're just loaded axially and um, basically just vertically. Uh, all the forces are going straight down onto your body, loading up your spine, and that can throw off uh, different things such as posture, um, how you walk, how you bend over, all these different things. So we try to find ways where we can take load off of the spine, uh, teach them to decompress their spine, whether it's through breathing or certain exercises in general. Um, and that usually cleans up some movement patterns and help guys helps guys rotate a lot better. Um, there was actually an athlete. Uh, I knew if, if you remember Gabe Berman, he came in with a pretty bad posture, super extended, super um, his scaps would wing off super far. Wasn't a very good rotator. A lot of back issues, a lot of hamstring issues, and it it took a while. It took it took some time. Like I said, six to twelve months for fascia to adapt. So I that's why I think taking a bar off their back could probably be one of a one of the best things that you could probably do. I think it's good. You got to mix up the training, mix up 
what you do with an athlete every so often so their body doesn't create these compensations that you don't want to see throughout their, uh, throughout their movement. But I guess going back to Gabe, we, we really focused on his breathing. We really focused on how his rib cage was moving, how his spine was moving, all these different things to get his shoulder blades in a better position to fix his back. Uh, he also had elbow injuries, so that obviously with the throwing side, that cleared up. But um, posture was going to be another really, really big thing for him. Um, when you can put your body in an optimal position to perform, you use the right muscles better, and uh, you just tend to move a lot better and feel a lot better. So I think taking a bar off a, a, a off an athlete's back is a really, really key thing. And whether that means working with kettlebells and you don't know much about it, uh, dig in, mess around. And like I said earlier, as a strength coach or someone listening, that's where a time where you obviously have an idea of uh, what you're trying to do, but play as well. Um, that opens up a lot of doors, a lot of possibilities for, for coaches and athletes together. Absolutely. So if I'm a strength coach and I'm listening, right, and I want some tangible takeaways, some things that I can implement that you think that most uh, programs that are missing and some easy things kind of incorporate. I think one thing, you know, a lot of guys are like, okay, well, you, you know, that's great, but that works in a private setting or whatever, you know, again, like with our college program, anything like that, like we're managing um, a large amount of athletes, sometimes more than program size athletes, how many guys we have at times. Um, so with that being said, you know, what are some things you think are tangible takeaways, things that they can take and implement, or you think they should implement into a program that they might already have uh, put together? Yeah. So a real big thing that I've been focusing on with guys and uh, trying to hammer in is, well, we start off with uh, foam rolling. Uh, I think that's another really great way to create awareness to a certain part of an athlete's body. Let's say the tighter that athlete is in that area, the less awareness they have in that area. Um, fascia, if we go back to that, is one of the great great um, sensors on our body. And it, it senses touch, it senses pressure, shearing, all this stuff, cold, heat. So the more attention we can draw to that area through foam rolling or just um, some simple myofascial releases... Is going to be really important. Uh, then we follow that up with a lot of different breathing, whether they're on their back, learning how to expand their rib cage. We have two breathing drills that we're going through now where they're on the ground, uh, breathing through their diaphragm and then continuing that breath in to expand the rib cage as much as you can. And then breathing out, activating your deep core muscles. And um, that's another area where athletes kind of, uh, that I've seen fall into, uh, when they fall into bad postures, their deep core muscles just, don't support them. They rely on um, the rectus abdominis, which is the muscles that you see on top. So that'd be your the six-pack abs. And a lot of people are caught up in wanting to see those that you end up contracting your core in the wrong way and uh, it ruins your posture. So we really try and fix those neuromuscular connections and how they breathe, how they move, and how their posture is. But then we add in a lot of different rotational aspects. And then the better you rotate, the better you exhale, the better your rib cage will move. Um, so every time you walk, every time you run, every time your, your chest counter rotates your lower half, that's going to force air out of your lungs. And that's one way to, to really ensure that the rib cage is moving well is to understand if that athlete can rotate ab across their body well without losing their core, without um, making some compensatory move to to rotate their T-spine away from their uh, hips and shoulders, or rotate their hips and shoulders and disassociate well. And a big thing is if you see an athlete with large amounts of T-spine rotation, you also see uh, that same athlete with weak core muscles that isn't supporting his shoulders and upper half very well. That way, everything is just kind of loose sitting on top of it. 
uh, I mean, you just not very often you're, you're going to see an athlete who has a really, really strong core and then can also just turn his body to no end. So we focus a lot on how we rotate as well, whether it's a band attached to a rack wrapped around your shoulder that's going to uh, create some resistance against you and you're going into a split squat trying to move against the resistance, um, just focusing on strengthening that rotation and learning how to own the actual T-spine rotation versus making it super loose and uh, weak. So that's how we kind of focus on posture and rotation. That's what I think is really important with a lot of the college athletes or older athletes in general. Yeah, man, a couple of things that you've alluded to there and that you've hit on um, throughout this talk is rotation and, and cross-body movement. Um, I know that's something that's Sometimes coaches are afraid to implement in the weight room, especially as we're moving weight, uh, especially with the deceleration and how guys lack that, like you mentioned throughout the, uh, the call. So why don't you open up how you train that and some safe alternates for those guys listening in? Yeah, so when it comes to um, counter-rotation, reciprocal movement, all that stuff, I have moved very far away, or not very far away, but I've I've moved away from anti-rotation stuff. Um Teaching the body how to not rotate is not the key to safe rotation in my mind. Teaching them how to rotate safely is going to teach them how to <laughs> rotate safely. Uh, so we do a lot of different things. Like on our movement days, we do, it kind of goes into rhythm and timing and uh, some kinesthetic awareness. But we, we do different walks where we have a kettlebell in one hand and we teach the athlete how to walk and tension their lower half into the ground, let their shoulders rotate without losing their core. Um, so that's a really simple one that we use with a lot of guys. Just uh, whether we start them, if they have a kettlebell in their right hand, they'll start with their right leg forward and just learn to swing that kettlebell back and forth, find the rhythm and timing, use the momentum of the kettlebell rather than uh, trying to muscle it up forward and back. You're really going to feel like your core start to work, your obliques start to fire. Um, your legs may even get tired just because they're trying to hold tension into the ground. Um yeah, so that's one way that we really hammer out just an idea of good rotation and uh, cross-body moves. But, I mean, we we kind of open the box, whether it's uh, like when we lunge and when you rotate, that's going to be a cross-body move in itself. When we do our get-ups, when we do kind of any rolling exercise, that's going to be um, some cross-body stuff right there. Whether it's a bear crawl, we're working reciprocal movement patterns, that's going to be... Um, working both sides of the brain. That's kind of what we want. Um, just to kind of educate the athlete on how they move themselves is going to be important. That's something that I actually want to talk about too. Is uh, uh, I was reading recently that working, if you reach simply reach your right arm across to the left side of your body to pick something up, you actually work both halves of your brain. That makes your uh, brain grow a little bit bigger. So who's to say that cross-body moves and reciprocal movement patterns make guys smarter? I don't know about that, but uh, that's just that's what I've been reading on. Um, but yeah, that's where when it comes to those movements, that's a lot of the kettlebell work that we do. Um, whether it's the swings, uh, the walking swings that we did earlier, or uh, some other variations of that same kind of concept. And this, I know it goes kind of vague, but this is kind of where the idea of play comes in. If you can explore these different movements and understand, have your base understanding of, okay, I need, I know when my right arm moves, my left leg needs to move as well. Uh, if I want to work my right lat, then I should probably work my left glute as well. 
Um, same thing when it comes to to chest. Like if I want to press something, I want to try and incorporate my my legs somehow. And uh, teaching the body how to work off of your spine is going to be that's kind of what rotation is. That's kind of what we do for cross body. I, I just keep coming back to the idea of play. Like just have the understanding of what you need to do and what you want to accomplish, and find out how many routes and how many ways you can take to get to that same end goal. Yeah, man. No, I think you did a good job of uh, summarizing that up. And um, if you say reciprocal movement might make me smarter, just say no more. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, but no, man, I think that you did open the box. And I think that you uh, mentioned some things that some guys might maybe not agree with and some some stuff that people might want to reach out to you for. So uh, what's the best way for those guys tuning in to get a hold of you in case they want to do that? Yeah, so I do have a Twitter. It's just going to be Mitchell at 108 Performance. Uh, Low-key on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I'm not much of a tweeter, so... Um, are the DMs open? They are. They are. Uh, I might not post a lot, but if you send me a message, I'll definitely check it and I can respond to you uh, as best as I can. We can kind of go from there. I'm an open book. If you have questions, just feel free to ask. That's awesome, uh, Mitch. Again, thanks for coming on. We have... Uh, um, it would be great. Um, and that way, again, uh, I'm definitely, I'm sure this won't be the last time that Mitch is on the podcast, but maybe we'll do another episode where we dive into and really, you know, give a deep dive into fascia. Cause we're, you know, I'm all in on that stuff. Fashion breaks. I think yeah. we could, we could probably do episodes, uh, kind of explaining all those things, maybe wrap on it, it all into one on a different episode. So, um, you know, definitely great, uh, again, having you on and, uh, you know, again, I, I, I get to work with you on a daily basis and understand, and again, you're a big part of our athlete success and, and not only from, you know, our amateur levels, but definitely our pro guys as well. So, um, again, thanks for coming on and appreciate you, uh, uh jumping on with us. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was good to be on here. Uh, hopefully, yeah, like you said, be on here again. We can talk about some uh, good stuff, go down some rabbit holes. Appreciate it, Mitch. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Always a good time to get our boy Mitch on with us and kind of dive into some of those ins- insights. This call takeaway is brought to you by Silverback Sports. Silverback Sports is the alpha when it comes to arm care and training essentials. Silverback's training products are constructed from premium materials and are designed to be durable and dependable to withstand the toughest and most rigorous throwing or training programs. Visit shopsilverback.com to see their entire line of high-quality products at very affordable prices. Also, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date at ShopSilverback. That's at ShopSilverback. Yeah, Joey, what was your biggest call takeaway from our conversation with Mitch? Yeah, no, like I was saying, uh, you know, I get to be with uh, Mitch on a, well, both of us now, we both get to be with Mitch on a, on a daily basis and get to bounce things off of him. Um, it's become a great resource uh, for me when it comes into certain moves and how they uh, movements of the body um, and some of the different aspects I get into when it comes into rotation and kind of how guys are moving and how we can go about cleaning some of those uh, deficiencies up um, when when it gets into how we need these athletes to perform to get to where you know achieve their goals. So um, it's a great resource for that, and you know the, this calls kind of gives us a great insight again that like that is just when talking to Mitch like that is like surface level is surface level and some guys are probably like well okay hold on he was he was going in deep on some things and some way over my head on some stuff and that's just like surface level stuff to him and we can really get into the weeds uh, that's why I think again like having him on a different time and really diving into certain subjects is definitely would be awesome but um, I think that was my biggest call takeaway is just how surface levels that that is for him and how much more there is in the tank so yeah, no, I agree. I, I Just building off that, I think that my biggest takeaway is really hammering home the movement, uh, like we really put an emphasis on in every room at, at 108, and 
Um, I think that's the biggest thing coaches should take away is, is letting your athletes move freely. Um, let them understand how they move. And, and if you don't know how to do that, then reach out to somebody for, for some of those implements. But um, I think that's the biggest thing for me is allowing your athletes to move and, um, you know, allowing them to be athletic. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And then again, we have it's a great spot for that too. Like like Bo saying, with you have to have some of these resources. And again, with the uh, the free membership that we have that we've created on the website, the system farm. Make sure to check that out. We have a whole bunch of resources and some of these uh, things from different uh, organizations and um, and different uh, colleges across the nation uh, that have been so kind to kind of send some of that stuff over to us and make it available for you guys underneath the free membership. We also have uh, promo codes and all kinds of things for you guys to dive into. For some of those purchases you guys are making. I know everybody likes to save some cash. So definitely dive into that. And while you're there and you save some of that cash, why don't you go ahead and make sure you look like you're part of the team. Um, you know, the system dot the system dot farm. We got shirts, hats, all kinds of stuff on there for you guys underneath our shop. Um, we love to hear from you guys. Make sure to uh, retweet, retweet and share this episode. Um, we'll give you guys a shout for doing that. Um, and as always, we, we appreciate uh, you guys um rating our show as well on uh, iTunes does a lot for uh, the podcast to grow. So we really appreciate you guys. Um, and, and, and thank you for always reaching out and, and, and taking care of us. And so we can take care of you guys, but from us and our partners over at Yakutech until next time, farm system out.